Howdy, welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. Today, I had the opportunity to talk with a good friend, Gary DeMar, about the late Ron Sider. If you follow Christianity Today, I know World Magazine covered it. He was in the New York Times. Ron Sider was an evangelical writer. I believe his book, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, came out in the late 70s. And it's my belief as I, growing up where I did, and seeing evangelical movements and being a part of some, knowing my own sensibilities, that I really think uh, Ron Sider had an impact that a lot of people are not privy to, or at least they wouldn't know that it came from Ron Sider. So I have been wanting to do content about Ron Sider. And so finally, Gary DeMar has obliged to talk about a book that was made in response called Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators which I was told that title came from Gary North, an electric title in response to Ron Sider's Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. If you enjoy Canon Press, if you enjoy all of the podcasts and everything that we're doing, all of the blogs, I want to recommend that you subscribe to Canon Plus. You can do that at mycanonplus.com. It's there that you'll find all kinds of content, documentaries, audiobooks, you can find behind-the-scene material to those documentaries or to events. I can't recommend it enough. There's so much value back there. And when you subscribe, you're helping the Canon team move forward with brand new content, brand new ideas, brand new concepts, things that we've never been able to do. But now, financially, we can make those happen because you guys are supporting us. You can do that again at mycanonplus.com. And without further ado... My interview with Gary DeMar. Thanks for coming on. Such short notice. Today's my light day, so love we're in it. good shape. Awesome. Well, like I said, I would love to talk to you about Ron Sider. Ron Sider taught a lot of people and their emotional sensibilities, but I don't think they know Ron Sider's done that. Even people that I think good Christians, everything else checks out. So what I'd love to do is sort of just do uh, just a quick, I figured you would be our resident Christian recon historian and and you could help us, uh, you could help educate the canon audience. Well, this all started with Ron Sider's uh, book, uh, uh, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, which came out in 1977. And it was published by InterVarsity Press, which gives you some idea of the audience that this was uh, directed to. It was directed to young people in, in in colleges. And like you said, most of these young kids are idealists. Yeah. They probably didn't have a, a, a course on economics, on free market economics. They're not going to get that at their you know, public high school. Right. And they might have gotten some of it through osmosis. Uh, this was uh, be- This was during the Jimmy Carter era. This was before the rise of Ronald Reagan who became president in 1980. So it goes back that far. Uh, And while Ron Sider didn't come out and call himself a socialist, he was essentially spouting off general socialist uh, memes and uh, arguments and and so forth, and with very, very little pushback. And the only one who really came out forcefully in terms of a, a pushback, and that was Gary North. And okay. while, and Gary North has a, a PhD in history, but one of his big interests, in fact, has been 
in the area of economics. Uh, his uh, master's thesis was on the Puritan economic experiments and some of those being a failure. If you go back and, and, and look at the early colonists, you know, they, they, they tried this, uh, uh, you know, kind of community-owned property, and you know, it got to the point where people weren't working. Hey, why should I work? I can just get as much as I'm going to get, uh, regardless whether I work or not. And the people who were working said, "Why should I? You know, why should I work when this guy's going to get, you know, get as much as I'm going to work?" And the whole thing just fell apart. And eventually, they went with private private ownership. Okay, everybody had their own parcel of land. They worked it themselves, and they they sold between one another. Probably bartered more than anything else. And the as as the um, as the history tells you, that colony really, really prospered. I mean, they had an abundance and an overflow as a result of of doing that. Uh, and that's often missed on a lot of people. Right. And, and a lot of people might say, "Oh, this is a that was a small scale thing." But when you get into the macroeconomics and na nations and states and so forth, we need more government intervention into this. And I think I don't. I think Ron, uh, Ron Sider was naive. He wasn't very educated in this. I don't think he wasn't malicious, uh, like like some like some people are. I think think he was he was naive. He I, I've seen several places. He said that, um, he, you know, he, he's not all that into economics, but he does know the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, in the, it's funny because in the two two thousand election, I think it was two thousand election. Um, I debated, um, what's his name? Uh, Jim Wallace. Okay. Now, Jim Wallace is a self-conscious socialist. Okay. And I remember in a comment that he had made in this debate uh, that I had with him about the, the, the hundreds of passages that deal with the poor. Yeah. And, he's, and he made this comment, and he's written it elsewhere, and saying that uh, I mean, if, you, if you took out all the, all the passages of the Bible dealing with the poor, you'd have a really a cut-up Bible. You'd You'd have something akin to Thomas Jefferson's uh, you know, wee little book, which was on just the morals of Jesus. And I, and of course, the question I asked was, where in the Bible does it say that distribution of wealth, the giving power and authority of the federal government, take money from the prosperous people and just give it to the other people? Right. Where is that particular verse? And of course, there, there isn't that verse. It's nowhere found in the Bible. I mean, you do find it in the Bible, if you don't work, you don't eat. Right. Uh, you know, there's verses regarding charity. I mean, the Good Samaritan get. You know, he, he, he paid. He paid out of his own purse. Right. Uh, he didn't call on the Roman government to, you know, to take to take care of, of this man found by the road nearly dead. Right. Uh, so, again, I, I think Ron Sider was uh, just naive. Uh, but Gary North saw this as a an opportunity to really push against what, what Ron Sider was doing and, and generally what the, the broader evangelical movement was doing. And, and most, most evangelicals and professors in college essentially piggybacked on Ron Sider. You know, they, they just they let him you know, lead, lead the way on all this. So Gary North was invited by um, Scott Hahn uh, who was at Gordon Conwell at the time, and and Scott Hahn at that time was from the Reformed camp. He is, he has eventually gone over to the Roman Catholic Church, uh, but in in terms of um, economics and like eschatology and so forth, Scott Hahn is actually pretty good. And he had Gary North come up, and while Gary North knows that debates are are pretty much flash in the pan, They're, they just don't last very long. Probably the only 
exception to that in, in our lifetime is Greg Bonson's debate with Gordon Stein. I mean, right. that's still out there. Right. Uh, and, and, and I've done lots of debates, too, and some of them last longer than others. But what Gary North wanted to do was to write, have, have someone write a critique of the Rich Christians book and have it available at the time of the debate. And he called on the best writer he had, and that was David Chilton. And so David Chilton was the one who sat down, and it was painful for him. I remember him t- talking to him after all of this, having to put this thing together, because it was, there was a deadline. And this is this is pretty much before the you know the computer technology that that we have you know today. Computers were there, but they weren't in, in use as much as they are are today. Um, and it, that book was delivered at the debate, I think, the day of the debate. Wow! And Gary North was selling that book at at uh, two dollars two dollars a copy. And I don't know if you'll be able to see this. Oh, wow. um, yeah. This is the. It's, I'm disappearing here. I see this. This is the original. Wow. This is the original book with the original cover, and you can see. Wow. There's a man there hanging himself. Yeah, yeah. And it's it was called Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators. Uh, Gary North was great with titles of books. <laughs> um, and yeah. And what ended up happening is is that Ron Sider would continue to come back and revise his book, but in he never answered his critics directly. Uh, and I, I'm gonna see if I can if I can find this. And so so every time every time um, every time Dave uh, Ron Sider came out with an edition, David Chilton came out with his rebuttal <laughs> to the edition. <laughs> and then uh, if I can find this um, in here, here's here's I think this is the I think this is the last one. Okay. That, that came out, and um, and there's a comment made in here by David. Um, it's called Name That Critic. And it's on page 249 of the late of the last edition, Productive Christians in the Age of Guilt Manipulator. And it says, this is what David wrote. I must confess that the professor's new edition loses me at the outset. The back cover proclaims, and I quote, in this revised and expanded edition, Cider updates the situation around the world and responds to many of his critics by reconsidering and reformulating his arguments, close quote. And David continues, I know of at least 10 authors who have written to refute Sider from various perspectives. Since we are told that Dr. Sider responds to many of his critics, it might be easier to count the critics he didn't respond to. <laughs> and the first one is P.T. Bear, uh, David Chilton himself, Constance Cumbie, John Jefferson Davis, Brian Griffiths, Ronald Nash, Gary North, John Robbins, Frankie Schaefer, before he went off the deep end, yeah. and Herbert Schlossberg. Uh, and so, and what's interesting about all this is this is the this is the latest edition of World Magazine, uh, the August twenty seventh, two thousand twenty two edition of World Magazine. Okay, and uh, there they have departures, which talks about you know, people who have died in, since the previous edition, and. Uh, because it's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's fair. It says, as, after growing up as a self-described Mennonite farmer, Cider entered a Yale doctorate and argued, earned a Yale doctorate and argued that not just wealthy believers, but governments should do more for the poor, putting him at odds with some evangelicals who promoted market capitalism. But Cider also opposed abortion and affirmed traditional marriage. 
And a 2015 revised edition of Rich Christians, uh, which David Chilton could not have right. uh, responded to because he, he had died in 1997, he noted that market capitalism had proven more capable of lifting people out of poverty than Marxism. Wow. And yeah, one of the things that David David Chilton makes makes clear is that in each edition of Cider's book, he became more and more of a capitalist and threw off some of the typical, um, you know, uh, you know, socialist jargon type, you know, type arguments. Right. Uh, so, but by then, no one was paying attention to him anymore. The you know, uh, Ciderism had gone had gone global here in the United States. It's it's what everybody talks about. Evangelicals, they don't know how to argue or economics. Um, and so anyway, that's that's kind of the story of how uh, you know Ron Sider was was uh, taken on by Gary North and David Chilton in the and uh, first in a debate, which nobody really hears about, but in many, many editions of productive Christians in the age of guilt manipulators. It's out of print right now. You can probably find it used, but I know there is some talk about bringing it back in print. Yeah. Now, when you said that Gary North debated, did he debate Scott Hahn or did he debate? No, he no, no. He de- Scott Hahn set the debate up he between up. Gary North and Ron Sider. Wow. I mean, yeah. And I think Ron, Gary North was, I think he said that when Ron Sider saw the book of Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators, Ron Sider said, uh, how long has this been out? And Gary, Nick, Gary Norris said, one day. It had ju- I think it had just come that day. And I know Gary was frantic over this sort of, sort of thing because, uh, uh, you know, it's he, he, that thing, he, he only did that debate in order to have a book ready to answer Ron Sider with a more, with a more a lengthy treatment. And that was the reason why he had the debate. Do you know, is there audio to that anywhere? There is. Yeah, somewhere. Wow. Okay. Uh, you might be able to... You might be able to get it at, at Gary North, GaryNorth.com. There are lots of yeah. free, free, free books yep. on GaryNorth.com, uh, and if you, I'll, I'll, I'll try to look for it today, see if I can, I can find it. Um, now, you just so everybody is clear, the book that he became that that really he came out with was "Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger." Hunger, yes, and uh, you know, I. I almost think this is a perfect litmus test for people is, is the kind of person who could hear the title and essentially be like, Oh, interesting. Tell me more. Or, or some of that effect or immediately hear that title and just be like, ah, eh, gross. You could just, it's, it's just so loaded. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, but that, that book sold hundreds of thousands of copies. It was loaded for the, for the right reasons. For the right reasons. Yeah. And, you know, we're, you know, we're rich and we ought to feel guilty about it. And uh, he, of course he doesn't use the, that, that, uh, that word, but you know, David Chilton did, you know, pr- productive Christians yeah. in an age of guilt manipulators. We were being ni- manipulated. No one ever asked the question that why were, why were the Christian nations rich? Right, and it's not right. just because they exploited other other nations. I mean, one of the one of the questions you ask of, you should ask of Japan after World War II. Why? How did Japan become rich? They didn't become socialists. They followed our economic system of free enterprise, and they were they were beating our brains out in terms of products. If, um, if you remember um, Back to the Future, 
Okay. When Marty goes goes, yeah. goes back in time, and uh, the you know the doctor, the, the Doctor Brown saw that this video recorder was made in Japan, and uh, and that was junk, you know, in in back in in the in the fifties. But they, you know, they 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 kicked our butt with, with the automobile industry. So they followed our system. And uh, Hong Kong, again, if you if you know the history of Hong Kong, um, it was it was a beacon to the world in terms of free enterprise. But you you go back to Japan, and Japan had no natural resources. Right. Think of you know think of they didn't have they they didn't have steel, they didn't have coal. Every everything they brought in, they had to. They, I mean, they had to bring in from, from you know from other places, which goes to this is another point that a lot of people miss is that natural resources aren't the aren't necessary in order to be rich if you're willing to trade with other countries that have things and you want to share in those types of things. Right, right. I so I imagine for people in my generation, you know, I grew up with uh, Francis Chan's Crazy Love. That was huge. And, you know, if anybody sees him now, it's a lot of, it has sort of this spirit. Uh, additionally, uh, David Platt's Radical, where if a lot of folks will remember, you know, he would have this thing called Secret Church where everybody would come and sit on the floor and take off their shoes and they'd have church for eight hours because that's how they do it overseas. You know, there's there's people doing it right. that way overseas. And I remember I grew up in a non-denominational um, evangelical church and you know, short-term missions, and there's a lot of good about that, but there, you know, the, the spirit of short-term missions being like, I'd like to get you over there to see what it's like. Um, it all seems to be working along with this ciderism. Um, in, in effect, it seems like cider really, uh, before he started making those, those changes, like you mentioned that 2015 quote, that, that actually shocked me. Um, the damage had already been done, it seems. Yeah, and it's and the charismatic movement for years. You know, I, I've spoken. I spoke at a lot of charismatic churches, and uh, there, theirs is kind of a name it and, and claim it type of economic system. Right. But even within the evangelical world, you had um, the the book, the Prayer of Jabez. Remember, you remember the yes. Prayer of Jabez? Yes. I mean, think. I mean, think of that. Yeah. I mean, that came out. <laughs> Right. Um, uh, that came out of the the, the fellows that did uh, walk through, walk through the Bible. And that book sold. Probably tens of millions of copies, but it helped no one, no right. one deal with the realities of of basic economic principles, the idea of scarcity, the idea of of freedom. You know, Gary North essentially said, you know, economics is let's make a deal. You have something I want, let's let's make a deal over that. That's what it is. No no compulsion. Nobody's forced. Right. And the government comes in and it says, well, all we're going to do is we're going to we're going to subsidize this particular industry. And so money's taken from us and that industry is, is subsidized. We're seeing this today with, with so-called green energy. Right. These are these are industries that can't take, you know, can't make it on their own. The electric car business, the electric cars are inevitable to a certain degree, but they need to be inevitable in terms of market rather than in terms of forced compliance and, and being subsidized. Um, th th that's that's yeah. the difference, and I, I I imagine there's a kind of person who would hear somebody railing on free market capitalism, and they think, oh yeah, that's my dad's thing. But but all you're really saying is that industry, the information coming back from that industry says this is not going to work. It can't it can't subsidize it or it can't pay for itself. It 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 will not achieve its end. That's all. Yeah, it, it's well, just that yeah. information going back. 
Well, was, the, 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 elect, the electric car concept goes back to Edison and Ford. They collaborated wow. on an electric automobile. Again, it's not a it's not a bad idea, right? Uh, right. And but, you know, but now you have here here you here you have governments, you know, cutting back on on fuel, cutting back on oil, cutting which means you're going to cut back on natural gas, cutting back on on on, on coal. Uh, you're going to get something. Some sort of power has to power these these uh, these facilities. Uh, you they cut back on on nuclear. So now you're going to have all these cars are going to be plugged in all over the place. You think, where's the power going to come from? Where, where do you go out on the road and be able right. to plug in? Right. Uh, how long is it? Ta- how long does it take you to, uh, 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 you know, charge a car? How long does it take you to, you know, to pump, to pump some gas into an automobile? I mean, th- but market forces see th- this as being profitable, and by seeing it's profitable, people get involved, and people who have a lot of money. Get in there first and lower and lower the case. Look at look at what we're doing here right now. Look at I mean the idea that you and I are talking through Skype, right? Uh, on these microphones, you know, uh, it, government didn't do that. This, these were people who sat down and said, you know what, we can do. It. We can make a buck at this. And someone else says that company made a buck. We can do the same thing. We can add some things to this. And we can charge a little bit less, and we can make a buck too, and we can make money on it. Right. All, all this has been done without without government interference. Uh, that's the way. That's the way a market works. Uh, I know, in in at least my edition. So, what's funny about all this is you recommended this book to me at your booth at Philaf Feast last year, and I bought it. Well, it was uh, it's a purple edition, but it's still the guy hanging himself. So, you know, it's somewhere <laughs> in between the two books you showed me. Um, and one of the things I really enjoyed, we're good friends with, uh, George Gilder and in my copy, they, uh, Chilton quotes George Gilder about the way entrepreneurship actually functions. And that if you wa- if you look that a man, uh, put, you know, exercised, uh, self-discipline, he didn't follow his gut and everything he, he saved, he put away, and then he made an investment at no promise or return. There's no promise of return to that. He took a risk. He made an investment, took a risk, and and essentially took in, uh, as you were saying, considered the needs of the people. Uh, you know, basically in love, he was able to profit. That is the entrepreneur. That's the entrepreneur life. And it sounds a lot like if Cider was reading his Bible closer, it sounds a lot like what Jesus says. You know, it's it's those who sacrifice. It's those who put a seed into the ground. Those yeah, are the economic yeah. winners. That's right. Yeah, the guy who buries his buries his his uh, his loot in the ground, he, he's condemned with that. He could he could have used that and sent it out there and 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 it's interesting that the left is kind of you know what you have out there are le- are leftists uh you know promoting leftist policies, government interference and subsidies and higher taxes who are multi-billionaires. I mean billionaires. And they got they got the way they you know, they got that way because they made a product that people liked and people bought it and they made tons and tons of money. Right. Rarely do they sit down and say, you know, we're going to we're going to make a ton of money with this. Right. Um, most of these companies like Amazon and eBay, Disney, uh, Apple, they all started in garages. Yeah. I mean, Amazon started in a garage. Well, the guy who the guy who started eBay started in his in his home. Walt Disney started in a garage. Uh, they didn't sit down and say, well, I'm going to make a billion dollars. They just decided, hey, there's something here I think I can do and make a few bucks with it. And it grew. 
Right. And the number of people that they employ are massive. Right. Um, and every, every employee at, at Amazon, you know, is is being paid uh, half of their Social Security. You know, for every dollar they put into Social Security, Amazon's paying the uh, another dollar for it. Every employer does that. And you can only do that if you can make a profit. And, you know, but what subsidizing things right now, subsidies are taking place by our government. The problem is they're, they're, it's coming from two ways. They're coming from other people's money. And it's also coming through inflation, the increase in the, in the, in the money supply. And as a result, when the government inflates, that is when the, when the government increases the number of the amount of money in a, in, a, in a company, prices go up and the value of your money goes down. It's, it's, a, it's an unseen hidden tax inflation is. I think that's exactly right. And, and one thing as we wrap up here that I I think uh, Rush Juni had a book called The Politics of Guilt and Pity, I believe. Um, yes. That definitely rhymes with, with North's proposed title of uh, guilt manipulators. What is it about, you know, the book, that book title, uh, Cider's book title or radical or crazy love? Like, so for some reason, there's something in us and in, in mainline evangelicalism that that feeling of guilt will overpower all of the reasoning and economic logic that you've been talking about. What is that? I think the answer is, and it's something that evangelicals have avoided for a very, very long time, and that's law. What absolves you of guilt? Right. You know, if you, <laughs> if, you, if you if you look at if you look at Romans Romans thirteen, yeah. How do you know when you're loving someone? Paul lists the commandments. How do you know when your your Bible says you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself? Which, by the way, comes from uh, between a uh, two chapters dealing with. Uh, laws against homosexuality comes from from uh, Leviticus chapter nineteen. How do you know you're loving your neighbor by by the law? How do you how do you avoid guilt manipulation by looking at God's standard and say, look, I I'm I don't I'm not guilty. I I work for a living. I make a I make a good wage. Uh, I, I I own a company. I I pay well and so forth. There's nothing for me to feel guilty about. I'm not forcing anybody to work for me. They don't like the way I pay or the conditions. They can go somewhere else and they can start another business, which, in fact, people have done. Look at the number of chicken selling places <laughs> there are in the United States. Yeah. And what is what is the best, uh, you know, in, in terms of of uh, number of stores, what company gets the highest rating in terms of business? It's Chick-fil-A and Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. And Chick-fil-A, the, 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 the people who work there, there's just there's an environment that's different. Yep. And so we, we don't want to be like, um, uh, who's the guy, uh, with a couple of these, these, these movies that came out. One of us was my, with Michael Douglas. Um, oh, right. And, uh, what was the name? Uh, Wall Street? Was it the one on yeah, uh, Wall Street? Yeah. 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 I mean, see, there, there's, there's the... There's the epitome of the, the free market capitalist right there. That's not a that's not a biblical view right. of, of of someone at all. So the the law keeps you from being guilty. The law tells you how to work. The law tells you how to treat your neighbor. The law tells you not to inflate. If uh, Isaiah chapter one uh, talks about inflation, your silver has become dross. Your your wine uh, diluted with water. Just weights and measures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All all found in, in scripture. 
you, you stick to God's law. Yeah. You, you know, there are always going to be sinners who are going to manipulate that, but that's how you avoid guilt. Do the right thing. Be a Christian. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. You, you have been forgiven. You are loved. Now go and make stuff. Go sacrifice. Right. Go bleed. Yeah. And if you're yeah. doing that, if, if, if you are the kind of person doing that, I really do think when you hear a book title like Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, you should just, blech, that's gross. It's just, I hate that. <laughs> that, that that's, a, I think, the ultimate litmus test. Are you forgiven? Have you accepted that forgiveness? Are you moving forward? Uh, Gary, thank you so much for the short notice. I really appreciate this. I, uh, I, like I said, I've seen a lot coming out. R- Ron Sider uh, passed recently, I think in July. And so I was hoping, um, I, I, I really do think he, he has sort of embedded himself in, in the uh, emotional sensibilities of Christians today. And so yeah. more, more stuff should be, should be said at least about, about, his, uh, about the first book. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Anything? Do you have anything coming out soon? Are you working on something? Can I point anybody? I have anything? a new book called the, "The Case for America's Christian Heritage." Love it. Which is a full four color book uh, dealing with uh, uh, the argument about America and Christianity, the impact it's had, as well as uh, what impact did the Enlightenment have, and so forth on it. So uh, that is that is done. It hopefully it goes to the printer this week. Excellent, excellent. Everybody, be on the lookout for that. Thank you again, Gary. And they can, yeah, if, if you have, you know, go to AmericanVision.org, AmericanVision.org uh, for articles, books, podcasts, and so forth. Awesome. All right. Thank Thanks. you so much. Okay. See ya. I appreciate you. Cheers. Cheers.